0: So update real quick. So update on the, the new space we've been praying about, trying to get, trying to raise about 60000 to to renovate and, and move in and pay six months rent. So right now we are at a little over $19,000. we have had some big gifts come in this last week, a $6,000 gift, a $5,000 gift that came in last Sunday. Um, so we are at nineteen, a little over nineteen thousand. Uh, once we get about twenty-four thousand, we we should be able to sign the lease and start moving in, and and we can do some renovations uh, as we go. So things are looking really good. If you guys would continue to pray with us about that, the space that we're we're trying to get into is about a half a mile from where we're meeting currently. Uh, and it's about this big on the inside, so it'll be, it'll be bigger, and then we could also have children's areas that we need to build out. So things are looking really good on that. I'm so excited. I've been so—it's been a humbling process for me to invite people in, to partner with us financially as we're trying to move forward. But it has been so good for me to experience God's grace and His love through the saints— who who are saying, yeah, we believe in you guys. We believe in what you're doing. We want to join with you guys. And just people that, that I wouldn't have thought of would support are just jumping in and supporting us and, and standing with us in this. So so let's continue to pray. God is doing some great things with this, with our church. And we should be back in our regular space next Sunday. And we, we will be set up for baptisms. We have four baptisms that we know of so far. Elsa and Monique are getting baptized next Sunday, and then we have the Diaz girls that are getting baptized next Sunday too, amen? So if there's anybody else here who's interested in baptism, immediately after uh, lunch, Kevin Diaz is going to be leading the class on that, leading the baptisms on that, amen? All right, let's pray and we'll dig in. Father, thank you so much for providing this fun space for us to meet in. This morning, thank you that you are for us, not against us. That you delight in doing good to your children. That you provide well for your children. And that you will continue to provide for for us as a church and lead us. We ask that you would. We ask that you would protect us. We ask that you'd give us wisdom. And we pray that we would become more gospel-centered. That we would reflect the gospel in our conduct, in our speech, in our attitudes. That all of our life would um, express the worth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Meet us here this morning, I pray in Jesus' name. Speak to us. Amen. All right. So we're going to continue our series through the book of Philippians. As I've said before, Philippians is one of the sunniest epistles uh, that the Apostle Paul wrote. The, in the book of Philippians, Paul talks a lot about joy. So you're going to hear some key words reoccurring in the book of Philippians like joy. You're going to hear the word gospel repeated, fellowship, partnership. Uh, we're going to see those words repeated in uh, the book of Philippians. And, uh, last week we, or the first week we started, uh, we talked about gospel partnerships. Last week we talked about gospel advancement. And this week we're gonna talk about gospel conduct. Paul exhorts the Philippian church, the church that he planted, the church that he started in Philippi. He exhorts them to live in a manner worthy of the gospel. Of Jesus Christ. That's what he's going to exhort them to do. And then he's going to unpack what that looks like. What does it look like for the church to live in a manner worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Amen? So let's go ahead and look at that. in Philippians chapter 1, starting in verse 27. If you don't have your Bibles, it is up here on this huge screen. It's so nice. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. and that from god for for it has been granted to you that for the sake of christ you should not only believe in him but also suffer for his sake engaged in the same conflict that you saw i had and now here that i am that i still have so if there is any encouragement in christ any comfort from love Any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord with one mind. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. So here's where we're going from this text. God has called His people to live in a manner worthy of the gospel by being steadfast by being unified, and by being courageous. That's what it looks like. In this text, Paul exhorts the church to live in a manner worthy of the gospel, and he tells them what it looks like for them to stand firm together, steadfast, rooted, grounded, to be tenacious, standing together, unified, and standing in courage. Standing courageously, bravely, in the face of adversity. This is how you and I are to live worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? So let's look at this first verse. The the exhortation that that Paul starts off with. The first point is is living with consistency is gospel-worthy conduct. Live with consistency. Let your manner only... Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. Let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. This seems very challenging. This is like the words from the Old Testament. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. Sound easy? Like, Yeah, I can do that. No problem. Anybody doing that? Does anybody, would anybody say, I'm I'm living worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ right now. I think we all have some room here to grow in living a life that expresses the worth of Jesus Christ. I mean, can we really do that? I think we can. I think we can express worth through our conduct, through our actions. But we, we have a lot of room to grow in that. And this is how Paul says, first of all, he says the way we do it is to live consistently, to live standing firm together, being steadfast, being consistent with what you say you believe about the gospel. We've talked about this in the book of Galatians, in Galatians chapter 5, when we looked at the fruit of the Spirit and the works of the flesh, the fruit of the Spirit are characteristics That are consistent with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And this is the work of the Spirit in our hearts, in our lives. The reason why you and I can live in a manner worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ is because you and I have the Spirit of the living God living inside of us, enabling us, empowering us to bring forth fruit of the Spirit. Fruit that expresses worth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And just ask yourself this morning, is Jesus really worth it? Is the gospel really worth it that you give your whole life for? We sang it this morning. You are worthy of it all. You are worthy of it all. For from you are all things. To you are all things. You deserve the glory. We believe he's worth it. I remember one time years ago, I was I was working at Weir's Furniture, and I was driving home from a long day, 8.30 to 5.30, driving home from a long day at work, and I was tired, I was dirty, I was sweaty, had my windows rolled down, and I was driving by some young kids playing football outside in East Dallas, and I, was, I just wanted to go home and get some food and rest. And I saw these guys, and I felt like the Holy Spirit said to stop and talk to them. And I just kept on driving. Anybody ever did that? Like the Holy Spirit tells you to do something and you just, you just, I'm, I'm, I got my mindset on getting some rest, right? We have our plans, our agenda, and the Holy Spirit loves to interrupt what we want to do and our plans and our agenda and, and lead us into something better for God's glory and our joy. And so I kept on driving and then I saw this street sign. It was Worth Street. And the question came to me, is Jesus worth it? Is he worth it that I, that I turn around and I obey that prompting of the Holy Spirit to go talk to these guys? And I, I made a decision. Yes, Jesus is worth it. I'm going to go back. I'm going to talk to these guys about Jesus. And I was so glad I did because I had a, I went home with a clean conscience after that. And I just got the joy of being able to, to let my light shine, let the light of the gospel shine with these young men hanging out playing catch, playing ball out front. So Jesus is worth it. He's worth that we live lives that are consistent with the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, the good news that Jesus, the sinless son of God, laid down his life in love for you and I. He was buried and raised from the dead. That message is worth heralding. That message is worth going over across the country, across the world, to dangerous places to tell p- others about the good news of Jesus. There's a story of some missionaries, Moravian missionaries, who were trying to reach an island that, that had only, um, they, were, they were slaves on the island. And the only way to get onto the island it was to become a slave. And so these missionaries were so sold out to carrying the gospel to these people that they sold themselves as slaves, got on a boat, and they went. And as they were going, as they were on the boat, as the story goes, their family and friends, they were watching them go. And you know what they were saying on the boat as they're drifting away on the boat? They've sold themselves for the rest of their lives so that they can reach this, this, this island with the gospel They were saying, worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. In the book of Revelation... I believe chapter 5, that's the song that the saints around the throne from every tribe and every tongue are singing. And they're saying, worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive honor and glory and, and so on. Jesus is worth it. The gospel of Jesus Christ is worth it. And so we are committed to this good news, standing firm in it and standing together firm in the gospel of Jesus Christ. So let us live our lives in step with the gospel, with consistency, with tenacity, standing in the truth of the gospel, not budging. Notice um, this this uh, phrase here, only let your manner of life is one Greek word, politima. I just messed that up, botched that up. Uh, in it, you hear our English word um, politics or poly, The Greek city or state. And so the the New Living translates it like this. Above all, you must live as citizens of heaven. Paul is playing on something here. This this little city, Philippi, prided itself in uh the city that they had there. It was a little it was a little like a little copy of Rome. There were some similarities to Rome. And so if you were from Philippi, you were you were kind of you were from a prestigious place like uh anybody from Dallas? All right, you go uh you go somewhere else out of town and tell somebody, yeah, I'm from Dallas. Right? Don't don't you feel a little bit of a little bit of a pride in that? Of like, yeah, I'm from Dallas, the big city of Dallas, in the heart of Texas. Right? Uh, well, this was Philippi, and and Paul was calling the Philippians to identify not only with their uh citizenship being Philippians, but being citizens of heaven. That's where our highest allegiance should go to. Not being a Texan or from Dallas or. From the USA, our highest allegiance and, and, and sense of joy and pride and delight should be in Christ making us His very own citizens of heaven. We belong to another world, another kingdom, an everlasting kingdom. And so Paul is, exhorts the Philippians to live consistently with their citizenship. Like their heavenly citizenship. Live your lives like you really belong to another kingdom. The everlasting kingdom. And Paul picks up this theme again in Philippians chapter 3 verse 20. He says, in contrast to these false teachers, opponents, he says, but our citizenship is in heaven. Alright, I know we got some, we got a couple people here who's gotten their citizenship, right? Right? Citizenship here, it's, it's, it's exciting, it's a special time, especially when you want to be here, right? When you get your citizenship, but you have a better citizenship. Whether you have a U.S. citizenship, the green card, and you're legal here or not, you and I have a better citizenship in heaven Paul says, our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we wait a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like this glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Uh, Gordon Fee, a commentator, theologian, says this, Paul here is making a play on their dual citizenship of the empire by the virtue of their being Philippians of heaven... By virtue of their faith in Christ and incorporation into the believing community. Look to your neighbor and say you are a citizen of heaven. The second point here is living in unity is gospel worthy conduct. Living unified, cooperating with other Christians. Today I love seeing the, us working together to get this place set up and to get the service set up. I appreciate everybody who showed up early to, to help out with that and make this happen this morning. I love when we do outreaches together and we're all doing something. We're working together to reach people with the gospel. VBS uh, when, when Andrew led as the point person for the VBS and we were working together to bless the children in our community and our own children. I love see us, seeing us work together for the gospel's sake. It's sad that many churches strive with one another, and they fight with one another, They they have conflict with one another, versus striving together side by side for the faith of the gospel. We are about that here. One of our values here at City Church is that we have unified diversity. That we're united even in our diversity. We look around and we have diversity in this room. We love diversity. We embrace diversity. People from all backgrounds. And yet we, we value unity as well. And it's a beautiful picture of heaven when there's a diverse people like Philippi, which was a diverse church, as we talked about in the the first week in this. You know that you got this rough Philippian jailer who gets saved with his family. All right. So this rough military guy. Then you got this wealthy Asian woman, seller of purple, who has her own home the church was probably meeting in her home uh this slave girl who uh gets delivered and most likely becomes a part of the church too and so you got this diversity within the, the 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 church at Philippi and Paul does later on in Philippians 4:2 he tells there's two ladies that that seem to have this conflict and he says you guys get along like agree in the lord right and so this theme of unity because of the gospel not because our our socio-economic Differences or, or similarities line up, uh, not because our races line up, not because our ages line up and they're the same, but because we have the same Lord, the same faith, the same gospel we have believed and we've trusted. We've we've been brought into the same family. I love that about Christianity, that you can go over to India and find brothers and sisters that are in your family. And you can connect at a very deep level, in many ways, deeper than you can with your own family who aren't Christians. Because you have the same Heavenly Father. You have the same Savior. And so our unity is not based on everything going great and everything being similar externally, right? In school, anybody ever experience in school the clicks? The people who look alike and talk alike, and the click, and it just doesn't feel good when you don't fit in, when you're rejected because you you're not cool enough, or you don't you don't have enough money, or you don't have the nice clothes, or you're not athletic enough, or you're not smart enough, or whatever that group is. But the gospel of Jesus Christ tears those barriers down and unites a people for the glory of Jesus, and that's what's happened here. We're united together because of the good news of Jesus Christ. We believe it. We love it and and we love him and we're committed to serving him and glorifying him with our lives and pouring our lives out for the gospel's sake and we and we do this together when when we're not living for something bigger than ourselves then conflict and and infighting starts to take place. As In the military, there's friendly fire, right? We we focus on the gospel of Jesus Christ and what God is doing, and that creates the unity. We strive together with one mind, strive together for the faith of the gospel. We want October 28th, right across the street over here, we're going to be working with some other churches, and we we're going to strive together with them for the faith of the gospel. These are churches that believe the gospel and love Jesus. We're going to work with them. Uh, November 10th, we're going to have an outreach with another church. Uh, they're going to come partner with us and bring about 30 volunteers. We're going to strive together side by side with them for the faith of the gospel, for the fame of Jesus, for the name of Jesus, not for City Church's name to be glorified. Um, Paul continues this train of thought in Philippians chapter 2. He says, so if there is any encouragement, and he doesn't say this with doubt, like, so if there's encouragement in your church, uh it's more like since, since there is an encouragement, all right, there is encouragement within the body of Christ, is there not? Is, there, is it not encouraging? Last weekend we went to the men's retreat, did you not, men, did you not get encouraged being around other brothers, worshiping together, encouraging one another, sleeping in the same room, using the same bathroom, shooting the same guns, all right, wasn't it fun, Right? I mean, for most of us, right? Most of us who got sleep. There's encouragement in Christ. There's comfort from love that we have. There's this participation in the Spirit because we all have the Holy Spirit in us and He's working in our lives and He works through us. There's affection. There's sympathy. We're in one family. That's so beautiful, isn't it? We, that, that meets one of the deepest needs in us as human beings. Our need to belong. Our need to be loved. Our need to, to have purpose and be a part of something bigger than just us and just our family. We have a bigger family. Alright? And there's a bigger thing, a global thing that God is doing. It's called the Kingdom of God. And He's expanding it. Amen? So He says, complete my joy by being of the same mind. Having the same love and full accord with one of, of one mind. Now, I've said this many times, and I'll say it again. As a dad, I get joy and delight when my kids get along. When they're playing kindly together, sharing, and they're just, they're developing together. They're living life together. They're they are preferring one another. But unfortunately, that's not always the case. Unfortunately, mom and dad hear some whining. Mom and dad have one of the kids come and tatter on the other kids. So-and-so did this. They took this. They hit me. They whatever, right? And as a dad, it is displeasing. It grieves my heart when my children don't get along. God feels that way so much more about us. Like he delights And he blesses when there is unity. Psalm 133, he pours out his blessing on it. He delights in it when his children are getting along, working together, striving together, side by side for the faith of the gospel of Jesus Christ. God gets glory from that. And by the way, one of Jesus' prayers before he goes to the cross in John 17, what was his prayer petition? One of them. That the church, those who would believe, would be one. That they would be united. Jesus prayed for this. This will happen. Jesus. Y'all writing down every time I say Jesus? Jesus, 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 Jesus. Prayed for this. And Paul taps into that. This is this comes straight from the heart of God. This isn't just Paul's joy that's being completed here. This is pleasure and delight to our Heavenly Father when His children get along. Amen? So check this out. This is on our website. This is one of our values. We have, have these written down and we have them on a card here. Um, unified diversity is something we value here. We embrace and honor diversity in our church. Heaven is and will be a place of diversity with people from every ethnic group. There are core truths of the gospel of Jesus Christ that unite us, which we refuse to compromise on, and there are secondary positions and preferences that give one another that we give one another freedom to hold without judging or breaking fellowship with. We've said this often here um, that we are, this is a quote, I believe, from Augustine, who says, uh, unity in the essentials liberty and the non-essentials and all things charity love There are certain things like the gospel of jesus christ that are of first importance That matter more than anything else that we are united on that we're not going to compromise on There's not many ways to god in many ways to salvation Jesus is the way the way not, he's not a way He's the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father God except through Him. We're not going to budge on that. And it's through His death, His burial, His resurrection that we are saved by grace, through faith, not of works. We're not going to budge on these things. Is that an amen or is that a... Okay. All right. Amen. So we're united on that. We're united on that essential of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But there's secondary issues. There, there are lots of secondary issues, like how spiritual gifts work. There are secondary issues about men and women in ministry roles. There are secondary issues about uh, how sovereignty, the sovereignty of God and the responsibility of man play out, right? So, there, so there's a lot of secondary issues that we're not going to scream about, that we're not going to break fellowship about, Right, we're going to be we're going to give some freedom for folks, brothers and sisters. I don't think there's anybody here whose theology is 100% tight and perfect. If you think yours is, like Kevin just said, then then we might need to have a talk. We, <laughs> you know, because we all have some room to grow. We need our minds renewed. We got we got parts of the scripture that we need to study more and apply. Apply more to our lives and really believe in our hearts. Uh, but when it comes to the essentials, when it comes to the primaries, we're united in them. And then the secondary issues that maybe aren't as clear, there's some, we're going to give freedom. But in everything, we're going to love. So that's First Corinthians. First Corinthians uh, 13, 1 Corinthians 15. Paul was correcting the, the Corinthians. They had put emphasis on secondary issues, namely uh, gifts of the Spirit. And they were not loving one another. They were using their gifts and looking very spiritual, but they weren't loving one another. And then they were getting off from the gospel being the, the, the first importance. And so Paul, he gives a chapter for love, chapter, first Corinthians 13, and Paul gives a chapter for the gospel, first Corinthians 15. And so he centers them back on being a gospel centered church. And that is what we are about here. We are going to be gospel centered. We are going to be people who know Jesus, love people, and impact the world. All right? So lastly, live courageously. This is gospel-worthy conduct. Verse 28, he says, Not frightened in anything by your opponents. Not frightened in anything by your opponents. Do you struggle with fear? Anxiety, are there things that that get you out of peace that happen when you're facing adversity? Paul says that when we're not moved by that, and by the way, let me just say this, courage isn't the absence of fear, it's the resisting of it and it's the conquering of it. Paul even talked about having fear on every side, but when fear is surrounding you, It may feel like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. Y'all know that song? When fear is surrounding you, where there's enemies surrounding you, where there's adversity and circumstances surrounding you, are you letting fear melt your heart to where you're ineffective and unable to do anything? Are you letting fear cripple you? Or are you resisting it with the truth of Scripture, fighting it, standing against it? Pressing in when opponents and when fearful things are happening. This is gospel worthy conduct. Because of the gospel, you and I should live freely to take risk, to be brave and courageous, to take major risk. Because to die is gain for us, as we talked about last week. To live is Christ and to die is gain. That's a sold out life living worthy of the gospel. Paul goes on, he says, this is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. You remember Stephen getting stoned, not with pot, but with, with stones. He was getting pelted with with stones and he was about to die. And, and he looks up, he sees Jesus, his face is shining like an angel. He's reflecting Jesus in the midst of being killed the grace of Jesus was upon him for that time of persecution and he went through that victoriously, bravely, courageously. That's a life worthy of the gospel right there. Look at verse 29. For for it has been granted to you for the sake of Christ that you should not only believe in him but also to suffer for his namesake. Now, hold up, wait a minute. I think somebody's going to need to process this. I've wrestled with this. Like what, what is Paul saying here in verse 29? This word granted comes from the, the verb of it comes from the, the, um, the Greek word charis, grace. Okay. You have been graced not only to believe in Jesus. So faith is a gift that comes from God. You've been saved by grace through faith, not of yourselves. It's a gift of grace. We talked about that in Bible study on Wednesday night. You've been granted to believe. Praise God. Salvation is a gift of God's grace. But not only that, but you've also been granted to suffer for His sake, Philippians. Anybody want that gift? Sign me up. I'll take some suffering, please, Jesus. That doesn't make sense to us, does it? Now, if we read our Bibles more, it might. Because Jesus said, blessed are you when you're persecuted. For righteousness sake great is your reward in heaven rejoice and be exceedingly glad for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you and your reward in heaven's great it's great paul in philippians chapter 3 one of the things paul wanted to know he wanted to know jesus he wanted to know him deeply and one of the things he said he wanted to know him in was the fellowship of his sufferings Anybody want to know Jesus and the fellowship of his sufferings? It's been said that that is the most intimate place of fellowship with Jesus. To live for him in such a way that you and I get to enter into suffering in this life because of our, our living righteous and, and godly and for, the, for his glory, for his name. And we get to experience opposition and persecution Peter says, when you, when you're in that place, the Spirit of glory and the Spirit of God rest upon you. Jesus said, that's the blessed life, if you really want it. That's the blessed life, Jesus said, right? And Paul describes this as a good thing, not a bad thing. Peter and John in in, in the book of Acts chapter 5, they get beaten and they go away. They get released from jail after they got beaten. And they went away rejoicing. They were happy like, yeah, we got to get beat for Jesus' sake. These guys weren't smoking anything. These guys were just in love with Jesus. Are you living in a a way worthy of the gospel that you can courageously look opposition in the face knowing that suffering is not actually a terrible thing for you? Paul says that this momentary affliction is working for us a far more exceeding eternal weight of glory. When we see Jesus face to face and we have scars on our bodies because we have endured Following him through harsh climates, through persecution. It will be worth it to hear from the crucified Savior and Lord. We follow a crucified Lord who calls us to deny ourselves and take up our cross and follow him, right? We follow him and he says, if that happened to me, it's going to happen to you. If you're going to follow in my steps, it's going to happen. But when we see him face to face and we hear those words from his lips, well done, good and faithful servant. It's going to be worth it. It'll be worth it. And remind yourself of that day. Think about that day. Fix your eyes on that day that is coming. It's been granted to you to suffer for his namesake. Now, we don't get a lot of that here in America. But I think the more sold out we live for Jesus, the more we will we will experience that. And it may look a little different here than it does overseas. It may not be them uh, arresting you and throwing you in jail. It may be slander. It may be making fun of you, uh, defaming your name. It, I mean, there's all kinds of other ways that we can experience this opposition so lastly, in, in closing here, prioritize the gospel of Jesus Christ in your life. Prioritize it. Is the gospel a priority to you? Do you care about it? Do you know it? Does it, does it overflow from your heart? Are you passionate to share it with other people? Do you, do you saturate your thoughts and your words with the gospel of Jesus Christ? Is that what you talk about? Here at City Church, we're just going to keep going back to that. Every week, that's going to be a message that's that's spoken here. Either through communion or through the sermon, we're going to tie in the messages with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Even if we're in the Old Testament, we're going we're to tie it in with the good news of Jesus Christ because the Bible is about this. And secondly, avoid letting secondary issues keep you from working with other saints. Are you divided from other brothers and sisters who love Jesus, but they're, they see a couple things different theologically than you, and you don't walk with them, you don't fellowship with them, you don't work together with them because of a few secondary issues? Now, if it's a, it's a, if it's a primary issue, then that's a different story, all right? But if it's secondary issues, things that aren't as important, are you letting that break fellowship and, and hinder relationships? Either way, we are called to be those who love even our enemies, even people who hate our theology and reject it and hate Christianity. We're called to love them. Right. And and in Philippians chapter two, one of the ways that humility or unity comes through humility when we have this mindset of Jesus that we're going to serve people, we're going to love people, we're going to wash feet, we're going to help people and build them up. That just creates unity. When you got a bunch of people that are just trying to serve one another and serve others, we're going to be more winsome. We're going to adorn the gospel like a beautiful outfit. My wife and I got to go to this beautiful gala last night. Acts 29, a gala. And, and it, was, it was a formal dress. I, I actually wore jeans with the sport coat and a in a tie and I felt a little underdressed and Kendall looked dazzling. She had this beautiful dress on. She was hot. She was looking hot last night. And, 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 and yeah, I was just reminded of how beautiful my wife is when I saw her in that dress. And it's fun to dress up every once in a while, right? To dress real nice. Your conduct and my conduct, how we live our lives adorns the gospel so that the world can see See the beauty of it through you. God wants you to carry that message. You to embody that message with not only what you say, but how you live your life. Paul says that you're like, you're written, you're epistles. You're epistles written on by the Spirit of God. Like you carry that message, all right? And our love for one another. Our unity and love for one another. Jesus says. But through this. All men will know that you're my disciples. And, and he prayed that, that the church would be united. So that the world would believe. That the father sent him. The effectiveness of our witness to the outside world. Hinges on our love and unity with one another. If we're going to be effective and impact the world. Then we need to have deep Genuine love for one another. Lastly, allow the truth that God is in charge, even in our suffering, to give you courage and to give you joy. If you're going through persecution, you're going through suffering. God didn't like, like make a mistake and like, oh, I didn't see that one coming for my daughter there or my son there. I didn't know that that was going to happen. I mean, y'all know the story of Job, right? Everything that we experience in this life is filtered through a gracious, sovereign God, our Heavenly Father, who has good intentions for us. No matter what painful thing happens in our life, God intends to work it out for your good and for His glory. And we can trust that. We can trust that He's in charge And we can have joy in that. We can have courage in that. Confidence in that. We can have peace in that. And lay our heads down on the pillow of of God's sovereignty at night. Because He has the whole world in His hands. And we don't have to help Him. He can do it without us. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank You so much for these beautiful words from Philippians. I pray that we would... Live them out. That we would prioritize Jesus. That we would prioritize the gospel. That we would prefer others before ourselves. That our priorities would be Jesus, others, and yourselves last. That we would have joy in that. Jesus, others, yourself. By having those priorities. And that we would see lots of people come to you. These next outreaches that we have over the next month, we pray that we would see lots of folks come to, come to know you. Make us fruitful and effective. May we live in a manner worthy of the gospel, fully pleasing you, being fruitful in every good work. Amen, let's respond. If you want prayer, Gonna open it up for prayer, or if you just want to respond in song, Kevin's gonna lead us in a song here. Um, but if you want prayer, you can raise your hand or you can come up to the front if you need prayer for anything this morning.
1: A song you can ever sing worthy of all. Of praise we could ever bring. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe, we live for you. Jesus, the name above. us the only one who could ever say worthy of every breath we could ever breathe we live for you only for you Jesus holy there is no one like you there is none beside show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to Could ever breathe. We live for you, oh, we live for you, oh, Jesus. Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever see. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe, we live for you, live for you alone, oh Jesus, you are holy and holy, there is no one like you, there is none beside you. that we may see you, we may know you, and build our lives upon you. Jesus, our salvation is in you and you alone. Our peace is in you and you alone. Life is found in you and you alone.
0: may the Lord bless you and keep you may the Lord make his face shine upon you may the Lord be gracious to you may he lift up the light of his countenance on you may he give you his peace